people are always like, how do you define self-love? I don't know what that means. What does that even mean? And I have a very clear definition of self-love, which is, you know, self-love is being more committed to your happiness than to your suffering in every single moment. Welcome back to Seek the Joy podcast. Happy Seek the Joy Tuesday. I'm your host, Sydney Weiss. And guys, this week we are in for a real self-love treat because on the podcast this week is Nitika Chopra, inspiring talk show host, beauty and lifestyle expert, self-love guru, chronic illness advocate, and soul sister. And I was so excited to sit down and have this conversation with Nitika. She has really been a leader in the wellness industry since she founded her blog in 2010, and she more recently has taken everything that she's learned from suffering with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis for the past 27 years to create a really important and impactful conversation about self-love in the chronic illness community. And on this week's episode, Nitika shares her journey with chronic illness and how she began to really thrive through compassion, nourishment, and self-love. We chat about Nitika's definition of self-love and the moment that she realized that loving herself was an option and how she shifted her perspective to really living a life of joy. We have a really wonderful conversation about teaching what we need to learn, how we can begin to recognize our own light and showing kindness and compassion for our mind and body. Plus, Nitika shares what thriving with a chronic illness looks like today, joy in her life, what's ahead for 2019, and so much more. Before we dive into this week's new episode with Nitika, I have to share with you guys the iTunes review of the week, and this week it comes from KT Monty, and it says, great podcast. I'm just getting into this podcast, and I am loving it. Sydney is a wonderful host, so approachable and down to earth. I just listened to the first Soul Chat episode with Katie Calder, and after listening, I am so ready to just be myself and stop actively thinking, should I not share this? Will I sound weird? This episode was just the push I needed to be myself and share what is lighting me up. Looking forward to more. Katie, I am so happy that you found Seek the Joy. I'm so happy you found the podcast through the conversation with my friend Katie Calder. Oh my God, I'm loving this. Thank you so much for taking a couple of seconds to rate and review the podcast. And guys, if you have been enjoying Seek the Joy, or even if you're brand new to the show and you want to show a little love and support, I would be so grateful if you left us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or really wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. And when you do, make sure to take a screenshot of your review and send it to sydney at seekthejoypodcast.com. I will send you our guide for infusing more joy into your life, some Seek the Joy podcast stickers, and honestly, a giant thank you in the form of an email. I mean, honestly, guys, it's one of my favorite things ever to connect with you outside of the weekly show, whether it's via email or on our social media pages. It's just so wonderful to get to learn about you and know you and get to know who's tuning into the show. So I would just be, I would be so grateful. All right, guys, that's it. I am just so 
excited about this week's new episode with Nitika. She is such a light and I'm so grateful that she came on the podcast to share her journey. I know that her experiences are really helping so many shift their perspective, feel their difficult emotions, and really offer themselves genuine care and love to live a beautiful life that they deserve. So after you tune into this one, join the conversation on our social media channels. And without further ado, here is my conversation with Nitika. My name is Nitika Chopra, and I'm super pumped to be here um, on this podcast. Sydney, I'm so happy. For, yeah, here. thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, I've been an entrepreneur for almost 10 years now. I started my business um, in 2010 um, officially, and I basically decided that I wanted to have a talk show and had no experience or resources or connections. Yeah. And I decided to make my own version of a show on the internet through an online magazine that I built. And, um, it was called Bella life and it was live and kicking for about five or six years. And I had over a hundred contributors writing for me and we would write about everything that I would want to talk about on a talk show as it relates to wellness and self-love. And then I would do video on there and, you know, have that, um, as well. So people could see what I look like on camera. Yeah. And I just had this dream that someone would eventually, um, you know, hire me for that. And it was really because I knew I had a skill and a talent when it came to like creation of content and, you know, being in front of the camera. But I also had a really big story that I wanted to share about my own journey and my own life. And I never wanted it to be purely entertainment based. Um, so I kind of wanted to mold all of that together. And then I ended up, um, you know, transferring, I actually ended up getting a talk show on Z living, which is the holistic Mm -hmm. lifestyle channel owned by Asia TV. People are always like on TV. And I'm like, yes, on TV. Um, (laughs) That is so cool. Yeah, it was, it was a really big blessing. And, um, one that I'm so grateful for the opportunity was so transformative and, and just so incredible. And, um, we filmed a couple of seasons of that and I went on to, represent some beauty brands and be spokesperson. And I was also on QVC for a while. And there's a lot of beauty focused stuff in there. Um, cause my talk show was called naturally beautiful. Mm-hmm. So it was like a natural progression. Yeah. And, um, that I, I just went on to have my own blog and from there, especially just in the last year, actually, I've really put a focus on, um, the chronic illness community. Mm -hmm. I was diagnosed with my first chronic illness at the age of 10, which is psoriasis. And I was diagnosed with my second chronic illness almost a decade later at the age of 19, which is psoriatic arthritis. And so I've kind of over the past year, especially been taking all of these, you know, tools and resources and pieces of content and really focusing them on that community, but with yeah. a lot of the same concepts and, and heart to it. So yeah. yeah, that's a little bit about me. I love this. I love just the natural progression, but I'd love to rewind a little bit because I think it's often, you know, those experiences we have when we're really young that end up molding and shaping who we are and the direction that we take our life. And so when you were diagnosed with psoriasis at age 10, I mean, what was that experience like living in your body, experiencing that pain and and that discomfort, you know, at such a young age? Yeah, I mean, it was really, of course, I was, I'm 37 now, so it it was a very long time ago. But from what I remember, it was, it was actually probably 
one of the times I remember feeling most disconnected from my body Yeah. because it was like, I was being told that this thing was happening to my body, but like, I didn't resonate with this thing at all. I didn't feel connected to that at all, but it was happening to me at the same time. I don't know if that makes sense, no, but, does, um, yeah, it's kind of like it's happening, but you don't really connect with that. It's happening. If that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, totally. It was very, it was very much an out of body experience. And, um, you know, I was really, I was, you know, I was a very, um, I had a lot of challenges as a kid that had nothing to do with health, like just being in my home. And I, I grew up in a pretty conservative, strict Indian family as Indian families go, they're Mm -hmm. very liberal, but you know, for me, um, as an American kid, I was first generation American and I like, you know, did not resonate with anything. My parents wanted to feed me the way they Mm -hmm. wanted to dress me, the way they wanted me to talk and how they wanted me to behave. It's just nothing resonated with me. And, um, and so it was kind of a challenging time to begin with. And then when I got my diagnosis, I just remember feeling like, you know, everything was really bad. Mm -hmm. (laughs) everything, Everything was going really, really wrong. And this was just kind of like the extra cherry on top. Um, you know, and, and I don't feel that way about it at all now, but that's how I felt about it at the time, if I'm being totally honest. Yeah. And I think at such a young age too, when you're experiencing, you know, societal pressures and familial pressures, and you're really not even coming into your own yet at that age. I mean, and I can imagine it continued just to shape, you know, your worldview and also probably right. Like how you felt about yourself. Oh yeah. I did not. I mean, that's why I was, say, which I've heard many times from many teachers that, you know, you teach what you need to learn. And it's always funny to me. People are like, oh, so you must like love yourself so easily or like how did they assume Mm -hmm. that, you know, I'm a perfect master at self-love because I teach it. And I'm like, no people, this is why I teach it because I'm not that great at it. Like I'm great at it now, you know, but when I was growing up, I mean, I didn't like anything about myself. I actually didn't even know that that was like an option. I mean, as, as weird as that might sound, it just doesn't, it didn't even occur to me that you could like yourself, you know, all of the negativity that I was being fed from all sides of my life. It just felt like, you know, that was normal because it was my normal for so long. And especially if you're not having conversations with other people about how they feel about themselves. Like it's it, growing up, we never had conversations with our friends about, I mean, at least I didn't about, Hey, do you like yourself? Are you happy with yourself? We don't have conversations like that. So you're really just stuck basically with the dialogue you're having in your head and you, you don't know any different. Yeah, exactly. I never had conversations like that. I didn't, again, like I didn't even know that was an option. So me neither. And so then at what point did you start to realize, okay, it is an option to love myself. It is an option to speak to myself differently, to really have a different experience. I mean, I think it, it happens in layers, you know, over and over and over and over again, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. But I think the first time I remember really even knowing that there was another side um, to life and that it didn't have to be so harsh and negative like it was in my head all the time was when I was 19. Um, I actually, I used to be married, which is like another part of my story. Mm -hmm. And I got married at the age of 20 to a man that I I fell madly in love with. And, um, I always say, you know, even though we're not married anymore, like I will forever be grateful to him because he was the first person 
when I say like who taught me what happiness was, you know, he Mm -hmm. kind of saw the light and like the brightness and the spirit that people see in me now before I ever, you know, showed even an inch of that in my real life. Um, when we started dating, I was covered from the tip of my foot to the tip of my head with psoriasis. And I was, my bones were becoming deformed and my emotions were all over the place because I was so traumatized by what was going on with my body. Um, you know, he, but he never saw any of that, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it's not so much about him as much as it is like he was a catalyst to then get me started to, I took a course called the landmark forum, which a lot of people know about. And I was only 19. So it's like an ontological, like spiritual kind of, Mm -hmm. you know, learning about who you're being in the world. Um, and so I took that course and I just didn't even know that I was being anything. Like I had no idea that that was even a thing, you know, again, I was a kid. So from there, I decided to like become a life coach and I got my training and did a course for a year doing that. And so it was a lot of like foundation building, um, in like rewiring my system initially from like 19, you know, onwards. Um, and then beyond that, I would say it's just a constant evolving evolution of like, you know, every day I feel like I have to commit to something different, you know, other than, other than my, my, um, negative thoughts, because I always say, people are always like, how do you define self-love? I don't know what Mm -hmm. that means. What does that even mean? And I have a very clear definition of self-love, which I share on my blog a lot and through public speaking and all the things that I do, um, which is, you know, self-love is being more committed to your happiness than to your suffering Mm -hmm. in every single moment. I love that. And to me, it is so crystal clear, you know, it, it, cause I, I am a person as much as I'm like very emotional and like the, you know, gray areas of emotion. And I don't think everything is black and white. I think I can feel like I can move forward in my life and I can take action yeah. when I know, like when I have clarity, mm-hmm. you know? And so I need some sort of structure. So for me, that's like very clear, like, okay. I'm about to eat this food. It's not about, oh, how many calories is it? How am I supposed to eat it? Is it the right food? Is it the good food? It's like, okay, if I'm living by, I'm going to be more committed to my happiness than to my suffering. Is this food going to bring me true happiness or is it going to bring me true suffering? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And even like people that I have in my life or the job that I'm doing or, you know, the partner that wants to work with me. And I'm like, Oh God, this doesn't feel right. Although they're going to pay me money some year, it doesn't feel right. So it's always a measure for me. And I have no idea what your original question was, but I I love this because it's really self-love is an evolution. It is a journey and it isn't something we arrive at. It's not a destination. So I love the evolution and I love this definition of self-love and being more committed to your happiness, that itself is a journey too. And being willing to say, hey, I don't want to sit in the suffering. I might be experiencing it, but I don't want to sit in it. And I think it's so powerful and something I think we're all really, you know, continuously working towards. Yeah. I think it's really, it's a really clear way to kind of navigate the conversation, I think. Yeah, I think so too. And so do you feel like it was at that point in your early 20s when you were really starting to do this inner work within yourself. Do you feel like that was really the jumping point for you? My jumping point was really 
a bit sudden, I would say, but it also had like a lot of things leading up to it that I didn't realize were jumping points, if that makes sense. Yeah. So what I mean by that is that I started my business when I was about like 28 years old and I, you know, it was very much like an all of a sudden I'm doing this kind of thing. But at the same time, like the years leading up to that, I couldn't really work until I was about 25, 26 years old because of my health. Mm -hmm. So I didn't have a lot of experience with working and I didn't have, you know, the internships and the day jobs and all that stuff that a lot of people had because I just physically couldn't. Um, But then it was like this, you know, kind of just deciding I knew I had this thing I was supposed to do. I don't know if that, you know, resonates with anybody listening, but it was always this thing that like, If you looked at my life at the time, I mean, I would sound like a crazy person because I (laughs) sounded like I had some lofty dream of doing this thing that makes absolutely no sense. And there's no visual evidence as to why, you know, anything that I'm saying should ever happen in real life. But I had this tapping on my heart and it wasn't even a tapping. It was like a pounding on Mm. my heart that was speaking to me so clearly, you're meant for something greater. You're meant for something greater. And it was a voice, I'm a very spiritual person, and it was a voice of God and my intuition that I've been hearing for, at this point, pretty much my whole life. But it was like a turning point for me where I really decided to try and follow that and listen to it in a way that was a little bit more practical while Mm -hmm. still leaning on my intuition. I guess. So I think I was gathering like many people, right. Who might like do their friends makeup for their whole lives or like love doing like styling for their best friends and don't even realize it's like their complete calling. Right. So it was like a lot of that kind of stuff where I was constantly trying to nurture my body and nurture my thoughts and, and get out of the ditches of self doubt and self loathing and all of that and really love myself to better health but that was just for pure survival, you know, and then years later it kind of all came together when I started to really follow my intuition. And that's, you know, what I mentioned earlier when I was like, okay, I'm just going to create this website and see what happens. Yeah. I think it takes a lot of courage to listen to that inner voice, right. And that inner whisper and calling. And I think we all experience it, you know, to one, you know, extent or another, but to have the courage and the willingness to say, I'm just going to try it. I'm going to publish that post. I'm going to create that website. I, I, I know for a fact, because I've been there, that it definitely takes a lot of courage and a big, you know, leap of faith in the moment. Yeah. Yeah. It took everything in me. And sometimes it still does. You know, I've been pretty open about the fact that like 2016, like post-election, man, it was not easy. I was in bed for three days. So I get it. Yeah. Yeah. And it was a lot of, and not just like immediately after, but like all of 2017 too, I felt like I was so unsure of what the future was meant to hold. And that's not like me. I'm usually very clear about what I think my future is going to have. And after the election, I think, you know, like so many people, I just felt so lost. And I felt like I felt my mortality for the first time in a way Mm -hmm. that I hadn't before as like a woman of color and, you know, spaces that are not always the most kind and loving. And I, I almost like my eyes just really became so wide and absorbing all of this truth that like I wasn't trying to ignore, but I didn't even know 
was a part of life almost. Mm -hmm. Like it was like not my personal reality. So I was kind of blind to it in a lot of ways. And, um, yeah, just all these things. So even now it's like, I really have to call on my belief in myself after all of that, after, you know, probably from 2016 to the beginning, middle of this year was really challenging. I was just kind of like, what is yeah. going on in this yeah. world? Like, I don't understand. I still um, don't understand. <laughs> I still honest. don't understand yeah. either. But I feel like I understand myself a little bit mm-hmm. more on the other side of it, but I don't, I can't, I don't even start to claim totally. to understand totally. our world. Yeah. Yeah. So what you just said about that belief in yourself and fostering that belief in yourself, you know, whether it was when you were growing up or in the last couple of years with everything we've been experiencing and that you just touched on, how were you able to connect or or reconnect with that belief in yourself? Because I think when we have so much going on on the external and then also internally that is tumultuous and difficult and cha- challenging, it's often really hard to bring yourself back to saying, hey, I believe in what I'm doing and who I am and, and where I want to go, you know, from here. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, I mean, not to sound cliche, but it's a, it's a really, it's a mixed bag of a lot of things. But one of the biggest things has been, I've had to give up and surrender a lot, Yeah, you know, and like even last year, it's like, I, I haven't had a day job since I got my talk show, which was in 2013. And I didn't get a day job last year, but I I took on a couple of like consulting clients and marketing and stuff because something that I happen to love. And that was a huge act of surrender for me. I was just kind of like, okay, God, um, I thought we had a deal here. This is not working (laughs) out the way that I thought things were going to work out. Um, This is so weird and kind of awkward because I don't understand like what you're doing. Literally, these are the conversations that I have with God. And (laughs) I'm just like, so I, but I have to like take care of myself and make sure I'm, you know, like I, I have enough resources and make sure I can pay my health insurance every month than all the things. Right. Right, right. So I was just kind of like, all right, God, I'm going to do what I need to do to take care of myself and just assume that you'll like make it work. If like, Mm -hmm. you know, it's meant to work and I'm going to keep writing my blog and doing the things that like make me happy, but I'm not going to stress out about it in a way that's going to really like destroy my spirit. Right. You know, because that happens very easily. And I think I've even had to do that. I mean, I know I've even had to do that a bunch of times with even my health sometimes, you know, like, yeah. okay, I'm going to try this new thing. I'm going to do this new regimen. I'm going to try this new health routine or this new diet for my doctor or medicine or whatever it might be. And I think it's going to be the end all be all and it doesn't work or it doesn't work as long or as well as I think it's going to. And it's really defeating and it's really frustrating. And then at the end, I have to just let it go Mm. and just be like, okay, God, like I'm doing all I can on a human level. I need you to show me like what's true here and like what I'm really meant for here. And I'm just going to like let the rest go. So I think in terms of getting back to like the belief in myself, I think it's been like a mixed bag of all of those things, doing the human action items that I can and like praying the amount that I feel like I can 
having gratitude to like make sure I stay in like a good amount of like high vibe energy, but also not like being toxic with that mentality either and trying to put pressure on myself to always be high vibe. That's why I say it's like such a mixed bag and it's not necessarily one thing because I think the one constant is that there's just always this need to really know yourself well enough to know what you need to keep going. Mm -hmm. And like, it's like another part of what I find self-love is as well. It's like knowing yourself so that you know how to be more committed to your happiness than to your suffering. Know yourself well enough to be able to keep going and take care of yourself. And so if someone is listening and they want to begin that process of getting to know themselves better, where where would be a good place to start or where was the place that you started that was really helpful for you? Yeah, you know, I find that... I mean, I'm like a list person. Like Mm -hmm. I like making lists. I'm such a nerd, but it's true. Like I I like, yeah, like I'll be on the subway, you know, because I live in New York City and I'll be on the subway or in an Uber coming home late or whatever. And I sometimes will just do an inventory of my day and start to think of like, what are the things that really like lit me up today? Because sometimes you don't even think about it. You're just going from one thing to another or you're focusing on the negative or whatever it might be. And then I'll kind of linger there and start to see, because I love creating content. So then I'll start to be like, oh, is there a story here? Like, what is this? Like, just kind of sit in it, right? It's like, we don't give ourselves time or space to just explore ourselves. And I think in my mid twenties, I had a lot of time to explore myself, Mm -hmm. my early twenties, you know, because I was in bed a lot. I wasn't really able to move for a lot of that time. So I spent a lot of time like journaling and getting into the habit of, you know, I had a lot of alone time and I, I realized I'm actually people often don't believe me, but I'm actually very introverted and Mm -hmm. I, I am enthusiastic and excited, but that doesn't mean that I'm an extrovert. I'm actually very much an introvert. I give myself the time to, you know, really go inward and say, like, even last night I was supposed to go to an event and I really make a point not to cancel on people, but every cell in my body was like, please just lay down, please Mm -hmm. just lay down. But how many do we ignore that? You know, so I, I many times for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I texted my friends and I said, you know, you know, I hate canceling and I really don't ever if I can help it, but I really need to stay home. And it was totally fine. Yeah. And I just got the night to like, it doesn't mean I'm sitting there saying ohm all night long and like, you know, playing with (laughs) my mala beads, but like, it's just like, just giving myself that time just to be like, okay, I'm going to just sit here and veg out and give my body and my mind a little bit of time to like disconnect from having to, you know, be on and be pulled together and, you know, present myself all the time. It really helps. Yeah. We need that balance, right? I mean, you can't be on all the time. I mean, it's, it's impossible, but I think it's a process of, I think being able to cancel on an event or being able to say, Hey, I can't do this right now. That's also a really important part of self-love is honoring yourself and knowing your limitations. And, and you really can start to know those limitations and know where your boundaries are and what you need. Once you start to really develop that relationship with yourself and that knowing and that understanding and so it's really important to to definitely take that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that for sure. So do you feel like today, it's definitely sounds like you're definitely more in tune with who you are and what you need and, and with your body. Do you still have moments though where you feel like I'm I'm not 
present in my body, maybe the same way you did 15, 10, 15, 20 years ago when you first really embarked on this journey with psoriasis and and psoriatic arthritis? Yeah. I mean, I would say, you know, let's say if my norm was one out of 10, I was, you know, constantly at a four or three. I don't, I don't think my norm is as low as it used to be. I think I've, you know, kind of gotten to a new normal. So my norm is probably more like a six or a seven, um, in terms of being connected to myself and my body. But I would say I go down to my norm often, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, I'm, I'm very much like a doer. And even though I'm an extrovert, I like love being productive. I I mean, sorry, an introvert. I love being productive and I love getting things done. So I just feel like, when I don't have energy, like physical energy, and I feel like my energy is a little bit low, I get so hard on myself. Mm. Like, I'm just like, what's wrong with you? Why aren't you able to do more? Like, why are you so tired? It kind of reminds me of like when everyone thought I was just like lazy as a kid, but I was actually just like really sick and not feeling well, you know? So I get really hard on myself. So I have to change things up even, even with that. Like, Today, I did a bunch of work this morning and I've got a bunch of calls and interviews this afternoon, but in like mid morning around like 11 to one, I just cooked for myself for Mm. like two hours. And I I was like, screw everything else. Like it can wait, you know, and it's true. It can wait. I've kind of gotten the bulk of my like emergency work done. So, you know, I feel like, um, it happens to me a lot with stuff like that. And it's just a practice. That's like being more committed to your happiness than your suffering. Like, you know, if I put off cooking for the week any longer, I would be more frustrated like this afternoon, you know? Yeah. And I think part of that too is having, it sounds like it's about being able to pivot in the moment and then also having compassion for where you're at and what you need. And do you feel like self-compassion is also a big part of self-love for you and in, in your practice? Yeah, I actually say that it starts with compassion mm-hmm. because I think about it a lot. Like when I was in the thick of my health stuff. And even now, like my weight fluctuates a lot with my health, like, cause everything is digestive with autoimmune. Yeah. So some people like lose too much weight because of their health. Like I don't have that problem. I <laughs> tend to get a little softer. Um, and my belly tends to be a little bit more, you know, softer than I want it to be sometimes. And, um, working out has been challenging for me with my arthritis and stuff like that. So I'm constantly like trying to get that part of my body and also like my inner dialogue just to be still and okay. And so I feel like, you know, for me to go from having a softer tummy than I want and saying, oh my God, this is the most beautiful tummy that I've ever seen Mm. is just not real for me sometimes. Yeah. You know, sometimes it is frustrating and sometimes I do feel like I'm, I'm angry that like I eat so well and because I have certain conditions, like the weight isn't shifting or whatever it is. Yeah. And then, and then when I get to that place of saying, like a lot of times what that looks like is I'll, you know, put my hands on my tummy and I'll say, I'll speak to my, my body. And I do that with my skin, with my psoriasis, with my joints and, you know, with my weight sometimes. And I'll say like, for my stomach, I'll say something like, oh, I'm sorry that I've been so angry at you. Mm. And oh my gosh, I'm I'm so sorry I haven't been taking care of you. I know 
I've been feeding you all kinds of things that it doesn't really make you feel good because I've just been so frustrated. And just, I literally will talk to my body like that because it's, it deserves that kind of care, Mm -hmm. you know? And then I did that with my skin for years, starting in my early twenties. I would just say like, I'm sorry, I'm furious with you right now. You know, but that is like, you think about it when you talk to a friend where there's like friction or tension or frustration Yeah. and if you just name it, it's like everything dissipates. Mm. You're just like, okay, like now we can go somewhere, right? It doesn't mean you agree with the friend. It doesn't mean the friend's perfect. It doesn't mean like you don't have, you know, things that you could learn, but now you can go somewhere when you just name the fact, you know what? I'm really upset. I can't believe you did this thing. Yeah. We can move forward. So I feel it's the same with your body. And I've practiced that for, you know, almost two decades now of just being like, okay, like, what can we do? How can we move forward with this? How can, you know, I'm, I'm really angry with you right now. Like, Mm -hmm. why do you have to be itchy today? Like whatever it is, you know, then I can start to try to love myself after I acknowledge what's really there for me. Yeah, we have to be real with like what the emotion is in that moment, what you're upset about, what you're angry with. And then from there, you can really transform it and offer yourself or whoever it is, you know, that genuine care and love and compassion. A lot of your work too is, and we've talked about it throughout this conversation, but it's it's about thriving with a chronic illness. And today, what does living or thriving with a chronic illness really look like for you? Is it the work that you're doing? Do you feel like you're able to thrive down? Yeah. I actually sometimes am surprised at how much, like, I I don't take anything for granted. And I think, you know, a lot of people are like that, but especially if someone's been through a really hard situation, whether it's physically or mentally or emotionally or financially, whatever it might be, it's just like when it's good, you just, I mean, it's hard not to be like, holy crap, I'm so grateful that this is good. Mm -hmm. Um, and I feel that often, you know, when I first moved to New York, when I was 19 or 20, I couldn't take the subway for like the first six years because I couldn't walk down the steps. So every time I walk down the subway stairs, I do not, I never walk down even now, you know, 15 years later, I never walk down a set of subway stairs without thinking about that moment. And I'm just like, oh my God, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. With every step. So I do feel like I'm thriving. You know, I've got lots of relationships in my life that I'm so excited about and passionate about. And I I feel very blessed to have a very full life of friends and family. And I have a business that I'm so grateful for. And I love being able to, you know, have this business every day. And, you know, I'm cooking for myself and my apartment in the Upper West Side in Manhattan. It's like all of that. I mean, just that is just like, oh, what a blessing, you know? Yeah, so, I love yeah, that. I do feel that I'm thriving. I love that. I love that what you just shared too about the subway. It's like things that were so difficult or things that you couldn't do, you know, at one point is now a daily or weekly or monthly part of your life. And I think it's really beautiful just to be able to look back, right? And see just how far you've come and the things that you're able to do now. And anyway, I love that. I think it's Thank it's you. amazing to hear. And so I've got to ask you about joy yeah. in your life because yeah. we are on Seek the Joy podcast. What are some things that bring you joy? And do you feel like it's an, an emotion that you can connect with easily? Or yeah, what has your journey been like with, with joy? Yeah. I love joy. <laughs> <laughs> you and me both. I mean, I, I think that's pretty 
easy to do, but I love joy. I think it's really interesting because a couple of things, the first thing that comes to mind when, when you say, you know, are there things that bring you joy? Absolutely. I would say puppies bring me lots of joy. I don't, I used to have a dog for 10 years. She passed a few years ago, but, but Mm -hmm. I, I love, love, love dogs and, um, and animals, but one of the things that I'm actively engaged with that brings me joy is singing. And I've sang, you know, my whole life since I was 13 years old and it was, yeah, it's not something I share that much like personally, but I actually am in a chorus that was started by the founders of the women's March called the resistance revival chorus. And so, yeah, it's been amazing because I've been able to like literally use my voice for the better and Mm -hmm. for, you know, really important causes and, and for lots of activism work and all of that, which has just been such a blessing and such a gift. So, um, I love to sing and I always, since it's not because I have like the most magical voice, but ever since I started singing, I always felt that singing is the time that I feel like I'm holding God's hands the most. Mm -hmm. It just instantly, instantly takes me there. And it just was, it's just an amazing thing. So I love singing. And I also, in terms of joy, I think I've gotten better at just trying to like have more adventure and spontaneity in my life because I think I can be a little regimented with all the things I have to do with my health, especially. It's like, you can get like, okay, I have to take the supplements and eat the certain food and have the certain amount of sleep and do the, all the things. So it can feel a little hard to be spontaneous, but I do love adventure and surprise and all of that. So I think I've been making a conscious effort to include that in my life, even though it feels a little uncomfortable sometimes it like ultimately almost always leads to massive amounts of joy. And then the other thing that, that comes to mind when you ask that is just that like people always say, you know, when I'm on my Instagram and stuff, I'm often showing like some bright, beautiful, like, you know, happy moment or, you know, giving some sort of inspiration or showing that I'm at an event or that I'm with a cool friend or whatever. And people are always like, you're just so happy all the time. And I just, my initial reaction to that is I work my ass off to be happy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like that is the real truth. And I feel that my ability to have joy and be happy is in direct relation to the amount of darkness that I have felt and seen in my life. It's like, it doesn't mean you have to experience darkness to experience joy. I don't, I don't think, I don't wish that on anyone, but I do think that there's this like kind of realness around joy that it feels that much sweeter and that much more powerful when we're able to see it in, in contrast with all the other things that we've gone through. It's like so much brighter and lighter and, and really cool. I love that. First of all, amazing. Amazing that you sang and that you joined that was was the resistance chorus. The resistance revival chorus. That's amazing. That is so cool. I had no idea. But what you said just now about just the ability to really appreciate and see and feel the joy because you've seen the contrast, it it reminds me of something that I've been telling myself quite a bit over the last couple of months, which is we can't always control our circumstances. We can't always control what's going on, but we can choose how we show up and we can choose what we want to focus. On And so there's so much power in choosing to focus on the good and the joy and the things that you love every day, especially if you're experiencing moments of difficulty or you have experienced moments of difficulty that really do show you, you know, that contrast. Yeah, I think so. I think so for sure. It's, it's important to take that time and really let it seep into your cells, you know, in a way where you can really appreciate it. 
Yeah, I so agree with that. So today, is there like a mantra or an affirmation that you rely on or or that's really helped you throughout throughout your journey? You know, I, when you say that, I'm like, oh gosh, there's so many. I know. But there's also, so many good ones. There's so many good ones. But I think the thing that's honestly helped me the most is always here. I heard this message when I was really young, going through one of the worst moments of my health journey. And I heard this message from God that was like, this isn't about you. Hmm. And a lot of times in my life, I've had to go back there like multiple times in a hard time. And then like every, I feel like at least once a month, I go back to that place. Like I'm stuck or, you know, I'm like frustrated. I haven't written a blog in like two months. And I'm like, oh my God, this is so embarrassing. Like I should have written a blog. I should have done this or I should have done that. And then as soon as I go to, this isn't about you, mm-hmm. I can jump right into service yeah, and like just take myself out of the equation in a way that is deeply fulfilling for me and also creates a ripple effect for other people. Yeah. You know, so I think that's probably the biggest thing. That's probably the thing I go back to the most. That's, that's beautiful. And that's so, that really resonates with me because when we start to get wrapped up in our maybe worry or anxiety or how, you know, if we haven't shown up the way we want to, and we make it more about ourselves, we forget why we started in the first place. We forget why we're sharing. We forget that ultimately it is about service and sharing and connecting. And so I love that that has really kept bringing you back and kept, it sounds like it fuels your passion too. And it fuels your willingness to, you know, be brave in those moments and keep showing up, you know, even when in the moment it feels hard or it isn't something you really, you know, feel like doing. Yeah. I I think it just makes all the difference. It makes me feel like I can really create from like the most connected, you know, part of myself and the most honest and real part of myself. Um, when I just get out of the way, honestly. Yeah. You've done so much since you started on this journey of sharing and with your talk show and your blog and everything else that has come with it. Is there something that maybe stands out to you that has been just like the coolest thing that you've done or experienced or shared that's connected with others? Is there something that stands out to you that's like, wow, this is maybe like top 10 of the coolest things that have happened since since you've started? Oh gosh, it really is hard to say. Um, I don't think anyone's ever asked me that question. Such an interesting (laughs) question. Um, Okay. One of the coolest things ever now that I'm thinking about it is, you know, after my talk show, I went through this period where, you know, I realized I got a talk show, but that didn't make me Oprah or Ellen. (laughs) And I was like, oh, so I have to keep going and I have to keep creating things. And it was kind of a rude awakening. And I decided to create this business around doing live events for people. And I just kind of made it up out of thin air, um, like most of the things that I have done, honestly. Yeah. And um, it was actually connected to the fact that, like, before I started my business, I actually hosted these really small events with, like, eight or ten women in a friend's living room. And I I decided that I wanted to embody the spirit of being a host because that's how badly I wanted to be a host. And Mm. I was, like, very clear about it. But I had never really monetized the events because I didn't know anything 
about that, you know? So I just was kind of doing them and trying to fill them and excited about them and and stuff like that. But that was pretty minimal. And then a few years into my business, I hit a wall and I was like, oh, so yeah, like I'm not Oprah. That money that I made was not going to last forever. It's good to know. (laughs) And I just decided to create kind of a bigger business around it. And I launched something called um, the self-love celebrations. And I used to do those twice a year. And I had like 25 partners and like 200 people would come. And there were these like huge things. And I did them by myself, you know, and I kind of don't know how I did that actually, but it was really awesome. And I think, you know, now that I'm being asked the question, I think that's something I'm very proud of because I just feel like, one, my back was up against the wall and I totally, it was another one of those moments where I totally could have quit on myself and just been like, okay, I give up, whatever. And I really, it was a moment of like, what do I really want to do? And what would I, what could I do that would make me really happy doing it, but also like make money and also be of service. And so it was kind of like that trifecta. And I was just, I'm really proud of that, you know, and it's, it's evolved. Now I do like intimate chronic self-love dinners and I work with partners and influencers doing those. And I'm working on a conference for next year. So it's like, you know, it's evolved in so many things, but events as much as like some people who don't live in New York might not know this because I've only done them in New York, but events has, have kind of been like a, like a big staple of my career. Um, Mm. which is just something I am proud of actually. That's so cool. I had no idea. That's amazing. And I think just the ability to pivot in that moment and be resourceful and create something, you know, that you loved and figured out how to make it part of your life is so, it's really cool to hear. Thank you so much. So moving forward, because I want a future trip with you just a little bit, um, what would you say is your biggest dream? I have a dream to have my own like product company, I guess you could say. It's Mm -hmm. something that I've always wanted. It's funny because like when we talked about surrender earlier uh, at the end of last year, I was like, okay, God, I'm letting this go. (laughs) If this isn't what you want for me, fine. Like it's fine. You know, um, I just want to serve people and like make good money and feel good about it. Yeah. But my, my first dream that I had had kind of simultaneously when the talk show dream came about felt way too big for me to even hold. Mm -hmm. So I kind of let it go after a little while. And, um, yeah, it was always to have my own, my own product line to have like a line of, of products that really enhance and capture and create self-love in people's homes and in people's lives, much like I felt like a beautiful journal or a beautiful like picture frame or nice candles or, you know, a c- incredible hand cream or whatever it might be like really nurtured me, you know, from the inside out, um, when I was really going through some of yeah. the hardest in my life. So with intention and, you know, all of that. So that's actually, that's the dream, but you know, it's amazing. Yeah, I love that. And it's so cool to be able to draw, you know, on your own experiences and what served you and what helped you and to then be able to, you know, share it with others. It's, it's amazing. So what is ahead for 2019? Because we're at the start of a new year. And so what's, what's ahead for you? Yeah. Well, I think by the time this episode comes out, my podcast would have been out. So that's exciting. Um, yeah, I'm really excited about it. It's actually one of the first things in a long time 
that I've created that I'm nervous about, which is like kind of cool. You know, it's kind of a cool feeling to be like, like you put me on camera or give me a talk show. Like I'm not nervous about that at all. Like I can do that in my sleep, but you know, this is a new medium and it's a new platform and all of that. So I'm a little nervous about it, but I'm excited. It's um, going to be so good, but I totally understand the nerves. I get it, but it's going to yeah. be great. It's awesome to be able to embark, you know, on something new that you haven't done before. Thank you. I so appreciate that. So yeah, so it's called The Point of Pain, um, so people can check that out. And then I actually am going to be working with a company. I can't tell you too much yet, okay. but I am going to be working with a company on a couple of products this year. Oh so, my God, so it's I'll, happening. The dream it's, is happening. It's starting to happen. Yeah, that's awesome. It's starting to happen. Yeah, so it's it's very, you know slow start, taking it step by step, which is my favorite thing to stay slow and steady. Um, but I'm, I'm really excited about it. It's actually, this is the first time I've really even mentioned it. So, oh man, yeah. See, so I'm, I'm really excited about yeah. that. And yeah, and I'm going to be working on a big conference um, that I also can't say too much about yet because it's still in the beginning stages, but I'm going to be working on a big conference this year that hopefully people will will come to and enjoy. So I'm, oh I'm working on a bunch of stuff. So much good stuff is ahead for 2019. I'm so excited for you. Thank you so much for coming on Seek the Joy podcast. This was such an awesome conversation and I'm just so grateful for everything that you shared and Nitika, where can everybody find you and connect and, and learn more? Sure. Um, yeah, well first, thank you for having me. I absolutely loved our conversation and I'm excited for, um, for more and to keep, stay connected. Um, and yeah, everyone can find me. I'm best on Instagram at Nitika Chopra and, uh, you can also find me on my website, nitikachopra.com. Perfect. And I'll put everything in the show notes and a link to your podcast so everybody can check it out. And Nitika, this was awesome. Thank you so much. And um, yeah, thank you for coming on the podcast. This was great. Thanks for having me. We really talk about so much in this week's new episode. And I feel like we only just scratch the surface. It's really powerful and meaningful to hear someone's healing journey, but more than that, to hear how they've turned their healing journey into their passion and their career and their path. And what Nitika is doing is beautiful and so impactful. And I've had the best time following along on Instagram over the last couple of years. And so the opportunity to sit down and chat with her was amazing. It really was. And I'm so excited about her new podcast. Definitely check it out if you haven't already. And guys, thank you just so much for listening to this week's new episode. Thank you as always for being here. If you want to support Seek the Joy podcast, if you want to support my work on this show, I would be so grateful if you shared this episode or your favorite episode or the podcast in general with your friends or your family or your coworkers or at your yoga class, wherever it might be. And make sure to hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you listen to podcasts and leave us a rating and review while you're at it and make sure to join the conversation on our social media pages. I mainly hang out on Instagram when I am not publishing a new episode, but guys, thank you so much as always for being here, for listening, for being part of this community. This was such an awesome conversation. Thank you, Nitika. And I will see you guys right back here next week for another Seek the Joy Tuesday. Thank you.